Good morning, church. Let me use this. It's good to see you all. As Ben said, I'm one of the pastors um, on one of our campuses. I'm at the main Summerlin campus. Uh, we have our Summerlin campus. We have one church, multiple locations. We have our Liberate North campus and, of course, our downtown campus. And I'm privileged to be able to share God's word with you today as we kick off a new sermon series uh, called Heart for the House. Um, heart for the house. When you think about the house, it's the house, the body of Christ, the people coming together. And uh, we're going to be speaking on topics of, of things that the church does. And um, you as the body of Christ, you who are sitting uh, in this room that we call our sanctuary this morning, um, you insistently, and I would say you would constantly um, give encouragement to each other and give encouragement to people in the community that you come in contact with. And in today's text, as Ben had just read, um, in the beginning part of um, Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, again, he said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He's talking about the believers. Because of your faith, and it is proclaimed in all the world, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Uh, Paul is at a place in his career that he is just praising the Roman church for the things that he has done, and he is excited for the church, and he's encouraging the church, the body of Christ, to propel forward in God's strength and in God's wisdom. Uh, he's thanking God for them, and he's thanking God for the faithfulness of the people, just as you are here uh, today, the body of Christ, and he is encouraged and consistently praying for the early church in the text that was read. And so as we think about uh, the body of Christ together, as we think about having a heart for the house, having a heart for each other, the body of Christ, the house being God's people, what is the house to be like when it comes to prayer? What is the house? What are we as God's people? Um, how are we meant to go to the throne in prayer on a regular basis? And as I began to um, think about how um, they wanted me to be, kick off this uh, sermon series, I had to really pray about, you know, I, 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 it was one thing to stay in this text, but I'm like, I, I really need to kind of dive in a little bit more. And I, I thought of a familiar story, a familiar word that a lot of us have heard. And before um, we get to that, I just want to say first and foremost, the one thing that I've realized as being a pastor for these many years is that God does not always keep people from suffering, does he? God does not always keep people from suffering. Is suffering will happen in our walk with him. There are countless stories, I would say, throughout both the Old and the New Testament, through difficult times and through difficult circumstances that God's people were faced with. You know, Isaac was to sacrifice his son. What did Isaac do? He cried out to God. Daniel was in the lion's den, and Daniel did only what Daniel could do, and he cried out to God. Joseph, he was beaten disowned, thrown in a cistern, left at the bottom of a well, wet, cold, damp, and he cried out to God. Hannah was found as a woman who could not conceive and give childbirth, and what did she do? She was found crying out to God. Naomi lost everything, but then found her kinsman, Redeemer. She cried out to God. In the New Testament, I think of Paul, who was shipwrecked many times, thrown into jail for his faith, and oftentimes, what did he do? He cried out to God. I think of James, the brother of John, who was, who was killed by Herod. He was one who was uh, found in the inner circle 
walking the very steps with Jesus during the days of Christ. He was killed for believing. And I'm sure the early church grieved. And what? They cried out to God. So we see that God is not always to keep Christians from suffering. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. It doesn't say might. It says will be persecuted. And I think a lot of times we do face persecution in our walk with God. And God's servants, the body of Christ, us sitting here, cannot be put to death until it is God's will for him to call them home. No man of God and the will of God can die until God wants that individual to die. And then in the text that I'm about to read in a moment, and in this particular time in history, Herod um, supposed that Peter and James were pillars on which the church was found. And I think in Herod's mind, as we go to the text in a second, and it's in your listening notes, um, Herod truly believed that if he were to remove these men the building or the church would fall down. He did not understand or nor know the power of the local New Testament church. And in Matthew 16, 18, Scripture says, And I say also to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I say, nor will the sword of Herod prevail against it. In the text, we have an example of a local New Testament church in Jerusalem who is in prayer during a tremendous uh, time of crisis, I would say, within the church. And we can see that their prayers were miraculously answered. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 12, or it's also in your listening notes. Beginning in verse 1, Scripture says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in a prison, delivering him out of four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. If you continue to read, it says, Peter is rescued, and now that when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains, centuries before the doors were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side. He woke him up and said, get up quickly. What did the chains do? They fell off. And the guard said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was revealed, or was, how it was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord, and they went out and went along the street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. He knocked on the door, and the gateway of the servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. 
But Peter continued knocking, and when the door opened, they saw him, and they were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Pretty powerful scripture, isn't it? You know, I believe that we can learn um, a great example how we should be praying as the body of Christ, how we should be praying as the church um, together. The people of uh, the hills downtown must be found as this being a place of prayer. Acts 12.12 says, And when he had considered that thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, where many were gathered and many were praying. Peter knew where to find the church. In this day and age, the church was in the home, okay? The church was at the house. Um, they went from house to house daily, Scripture said. And um, what do we do today? We come together in a house like this, the body of Christ. We also have community groups that we gather in. It has nothing to do uh, with pews or buildings that we sit in. It is basically our hearts coming together and beating as one. That is the church, for you are the church. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it's scripture says, They continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their meat with gladness and singleness of hearts. Singleness of hearts. Even though it was not a building with a steeple or uh, similar stained glass coming through, it was a place that they gathered together where their hearts beat together. They prayed where they assembled. It was in that member's home. And I wonder if we could turn our homes and our community groups into prayer stations, opportunities where we can gather together and continue to have prayer together and have a place of prayer where the scriptures are particularly lived out on a regular basis. I think I find it interesting that Peter at this particular time throughout this text, he was sleeping soundly. He was sleeping soundly while others in the city were awake at night praying for this individual. When the church prayed, what happens? Great things happen, amen? Great things happen. And the entire city in this particular text was aware of the results of the praying church after that night. Not only was the house a place for prayer, but the house had purpose in their prayers, which is point number two, purpose of their prayers. Peter is released uh, from prison. Scripture says, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. You know, there was a crisis. There was a time of desperation, a great need for God to intervene and for God to show himself strong. And I want us to just think about the implications of that because I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us as the body of Christ to pray for souls of people that are out within our communities that don't have a relationship with Jesus. We need to be praying on a more consistent basis for those individuals, using every opportunity, using every single opportunity that we have to go to God and ask him to do a miraculous thing within our cities, among us, the body of Christ, being in his presence. I think any time a church is not experiencing souls being saved on a regular basis could be considered a time of crisis. Praying for our children to be growing in their faith. Praying for our coworkers to know that there's something different about us as we leave this house. Praying that we can be his hands and feet in our community in which we live. And I just simply say, just praying, 
praying and praying and putting forth our best to be who it is that God has called for each one of us to be. And I think going back to this text, you know, I asked the question, what do we notice here? We notice that the people relied upon prayer. The people of the church didn't um, appeal to civil authorities. They took their case directly to the highest court, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, Peter rested on the promise of God and that he did not try to pick a lock. He did not try to dig out himself out. But what did he do? He was found simply resting in him. He was at the point where he was simply resting in his father, who what scripture says in Psalm 21, never slumbers nor sleeps. How many of us could have found ourselves in a jail like that, getting a good night's sleep, chained to two different soldiers, being on a probably cold, damp floor? I know I wouldn't. I'm such a light sleeper, you can ask my wife. You know, it'd be very uncomfortable. I think it would be very difficult uh, for, for many of us. But Peter knew that God was the director of his life. And because I think of that assured confidence, he was a man that was found resting easy once again in him. How many of us could get that good night's sleep? We couldn't. And I hope that we as the body of Christ will be a church that prays for souls uh, to be saved and that we, the membership, will look beyond the confines of just a, you know, our own home and come to the point where we invite people into the house on a regular basis. We are the ones who should be opening our mouths. We are the ones who should be excited. We are the ones who should have smiles on our face, inviting others to worship the living God with us. I think of the worship we just had. It was phenomenal. And we're going to continue to worship at the end of this. I want others to experience that same power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we see from the scriptures that the prayer, God bless you, we see from the scriptures that the prayer of the church brought about amazing results when God moved. Do we believe, do you believe that God can do something of such great magnitude that you would be astonished in this church? Do you believe that this morning? Because I know he can, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, and the secret to getting him to do this is to have the body of Christ pray more sincerely and just pray more often. I think oftentimes our knees are a little bit too tender when our knees need to be a little bit more callous. But it starts with our hearts. It starts with our individual hearts being in tune to his and taking time with him, talking with God, being a people of prayer, and point three, being the people of prayer. There's a, um, uh, I'm going blank, um, an attorney, uh, E.M. Bounds, and he wrote many different books on prayer. And one of his quotes was saying, he said, what the church needs today is not better machinery and technology or new organizations or methods on how to do things. But what the church needs today is men and women who the Holy Spirit can use. Amen? Men of prayer, men and women of this house, men and women of the houses within this entire valley, churches in this valley, the church globally, but men and women being found on their knees in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through meth methods, but flows through men and women like yourself. The Holy Spirit does not come on machinery, but comes on the people using that machinery. He does not anoint the plans, but he anoints the men and women 
who he's given those plans to direct, especially those men and women who are sold out in prayer, putting God first. So I ask you this morning, what is your prayer life like? What is your prayer life like? Our text says that prayer was made by the church. So you in this house, you in this corporate time of worship, what is your prayer life like? What happens when you pray? Because I will tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I think when the church prays, the enemy trembles. The enemy trembles in such a way because he hates to see the church. He hates to see any corporate entity come together because he knows that the power of God is so available to men and women who are found on their knees praying. When prayer becomes the main issue, we will see great things taking place on a daily basis. And I hope you believe that today. The result of the church in prayer is seen in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, where Scripture says, And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, added to their number day by day, what? Those who were being saved, those who were professing with their mouth that Jesus Christ was Savior and Lord. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, Scripture says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were, came to the point where they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They shared Christ with boldness. When a church agrees in prayer concerning a certain matter, great things will happen. Amazing things will happen. I remember a certain time I was praying for some individuals um, that I was trying to invite to church. I remember coming to church, and I remember laying a card down. I remember just putting it on the altar and just praying to God. Shared with a few individuals. That was it. That next week, I found those individuals walked through the doors without me even going to talk to them. You know, I think of recently, um, our senior pastor, Michael Rochelle, um, has come, um, had some serious health complications. I think of the doctors that miraculously said uh, to Mary, you know, by all measures, man should not die today. But I know as a corporate body of believers, you guys were praying for him. And God did it a miraculous thing, and he's getting stronger. It doesn't mean he has a tough road ahead of him, but God's doing some amazing things. I remember a time when my wife and I were not able to conceive and have a child, and we lost a couple kids. I remember the church railing with us, praying over us. And a year and a half later, that boy Andrew was born. You know, I remember times of God's people just simply saying, you know what, I don't know what's going on in your life. I had someone share something with me this morning. They said, God woke me up two in the morning. Now, that was a different person. God woke me up in an evening, told their husband, and simply said, I, we need to pray for Damien. I don't know what he's going through, but we need to pray. And said they prayed for an hour. When God wakes you, when God calls you, what do we need to do as a body of Christ? We need to seek him out. We need to pray. Be who it is that he wants for us to be because you never know what type of difference you're going to make. You never know what that other individual is going through. You know, we need to be found as men and women that are praying together. Amazing things happen in the book of Acts all because the people were praying daily without ceasing, which leads us to point number four, the persistence of their prayers. The house that prays together should pray without ceasing. And what does it mean to pray without ceasing? Does it mean to never stop praying? Does it mean that every breath um, that we have is to be a prayer? It just means that we should be in contemplative thought 
I think, a lot of times praying. In Psalm 55, 17, the psalmist prayed evening, morning, and noon. It says, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan, and God hears my cry. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 instructs us to pray without ceasing. And exactly when I think of without ceasing, I think it means um, undisrupted. It means without omission. It means without stopping. And, and I think it comes to the point where we should be in an attitude uh, of prayer all the time. And simply said, I think we should just be praying a lot more than a lot of us do pray. Just going to him on a regular basis. I know, you know, we can be in a car, something very simple. Turn your radio off for a while. Just talk to God. Someone may pull up next to you and see you talking to yourself. That's all right. You know, bottom line is we need to communicate with him. Thessalonians, pray without seeking. God is not pleased in a church that does not make prayer of utmost importance. So we need to attempt to pray without ceasing, being in that attitude of prayer regularly. Because when the house prays, what happens? We see God's power move. We see his power move, and it leads us to number five, the power of their prayer. I think there's no greater demonstration of this power of prayer than is given within this passage. You know, I read it once, but try to visualize uh, some of the things in your mind. You know, Peter was bound with chains, okay? There were 16 guards around him. He was chained to a couple of them sleeping with two soldiers next to him when this particular event is taking place. Prison door was guarded by the keepers, you know, being in this pretty tight maximum security place. You wouldn't think a prison break would probably happen, but what happens? The chains just fall off. God is the master of all the chains. The door opens for Peter, and the angel is there. God has a keys has keys for the locks. There's no, no door in life that God cannot open. Amen? The men are the keepers of the prison, and they didn't even see the angel that was there. They locked the preacher in, but what? They couldn't lock God out. Amen? Notice the events of verse 7, Acts 12, 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. He struck Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, get up quickly, and those chains fell off. Light shines in the darkness. Most of us would see it. Light shines bright here, but no one but Peter saw it. Chains fall off of his hands. No one hears those chains clanking on the ground. Angels spoke to him in a loud voice. No one heard the voice except Peter. They traveled quite a distance, it also said in 1210. When they were past the first and the second guard, they came to an iron gate that leads out of the city, which opened them, opened on its own accord. And they went out, they passed through the streets, and then that angel departed from him. Iron gate opened by itself. Again, God, it's a reminder that God can open doors that no one else can. All of this happened with 16 guards on duty. Someone said that it was harder for Peter to get into the house uh, than it was to get out of the prison. No prison can hold the man whom God releases. Think about that for a second. What does that mean to you? No prison can hold the man whom God releases. What does that mean for your life today? The first thing that Peter thought of after the angel left him, he said, I am sure the Lord sent his angel. Acts 12, 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary Many were gathered and they were praying. They were gathering together praying. We see the mighty hand of God working because many people were praying together. I think the next few verses, 13 through 16, are amazing to me because the church was surprised 
that their prayers were answered. How, how often does that happen? We pray for someone to receive Christ. They say that they profess with their mouth that they've accepted Jesus. And we're just shocked. I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, we sometimes don't, we have kind of disbelief. Church was surprised. What was it that delivered Peter? Was it faith? I think they were surprised when he showed up at the home. Like we are surprised when God answers our prayers. What good did it do the people if they did not necessarily have the faith? And I believe the answer is this, that even though they were surprised when Peter was delivered, even though they were surprised when Peter was delivered, God honored their prayer because they showed faith in him by being on their knees in the first place. There are times when God is going to answer prayer in our lives just because the prayer was exercised. And a lot of times, we can't fathom that. If God only answered prayers that were prayed in faith, most prayers would probably not be answered. In verses 17 through 19, Peter's escape caused chaos within the city. The activity that resulted was because of that answered prayer. Disrupted the entire community. If we as this community in this house would spend more time on our knees in prayer, making it more important, I believe we can see some amazing things happen within our city. Amen. Herod was so shaken by answer to prayer that he resigned his position and went to a complete different region. He was afraid of those crazy Christians. Who can be, who's going to be afraid of us because they're going to see God do some amazing things? One church brought this about. And again, it's a reminder that it is such an amazing thing when you see God's hand work and his power move when a church engages in prayer without ceasing. So my challenge for us this morning Will you, as a member of this house, no matter what campus you're from, commit yourself to prayer daily? Even if you start with a couple minutes and just build from there. Because, oh, the church exists for God to move through the power of his people. And I ask you this morning, can you do that? I ask you and I just say, will you do that? Will each of us take time to pray in sincerity for salvation of the lost? Will you take time to pray for lives to be changed, for addictions to be broken, for marriages to be restored? Take time to pray for the leadership of our country, the leadership in our church. And I'm not just saying this church. Again, I'm talking about the church globally. 
to pray for your children, to pray for our community that is in such desperate need of us opening our mouths and being his hands and feet. Will you pray for our law enforcement, our firefighters, those in public service positions? Pray for the very people in this room and the people around the church globally to be on fire for him and him alone, to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading in our lives. Who's the one person today maybe you need to reach out to? Maybe need needs, you know, God needs an extra touch in that person's life. Maybe they need salvation, period. We pray for boldness to invite them to come to fellowship with you. And pray for God to soften hearts, to soften your heart, to be the obedient follower that he wants for you to be. Because I believe this morning that God wants you, he wants each one of us to accept a challenge. We don't have to limit that prayer time to just a single day in the week, but every day without ceasing, having an attitude of prayer. Maybe you need to start a prayer journal, break it out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and add different things, some of those things I talked about on different days. But what I want us to do right now, just in the quietness of this assembly, of this house, of our hearts beating together, is I want you guys just to close your eyes, and I want you just to spend time in prayer yourself this morning to simply allow God to have his way within your heart and your life and ask him to bring things to your mind that you need to bring to him. We're just gonna spend some time in silence. It might be a minute, it might be five minutes. But we simply want God to have his way within your heart and your life. And then we'll open up a time for if you need prayer specifically, our deacons will be up front and we'll be able to pray with you. But just allow God to have his way with you right now. 